Not Trier. That's uh, that's that's a Zolarian for greetings or hi there. This is Tom, the head at Heads and Sticks, with uh, uh, episode number 18 of Heads and Sticks Chats. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for coming over and checking it out. Uh, I hope you, hope you're all doing well, and I hope you're all feeling. I'm I'm feeling that sort of uh, autumnal tingle in the air, which I uh, uh, some people don't like it, but I, I like I like uh, I like that kind of shift from summer to to, to autumn. So I'm feeling a bit. Um, yeah, whatever that is, brown leaves and all that. I like it. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm really, really uh, excited to be uh, announcing the, the the guest for the 18th um, uh, episode of uh, of the chats. Um, and just before I we talk about the guest, uh, just as I, as always, um, uh, please do give it a like or a star or a thumbs up on whatever streaming platform you listen to. Um, do share it around uh, and if you're feeling particularly generous do give it a little written review on Apple uh, Podcasts um, it does help um, so the uh, the next well, the, this guest coming up is um, one Weigarist one of the founding members and uh, co-creative co forces of ZolarX now ZolarX I, I, I sincerely genuinely believe this above Above Jabriath, above Alice Cooper, above the Tubes, above the New York Dolls, they're my favourite American glam band. Um, they were formed in uh, in the West Coast in 1972, uh, barely 19 years old. Um, uh, Weigar Weigaris, these are obviously uh, aliases that they adopted. Uh, but Weigar Weigaris, Zori Zenith, and a, and a kind of whole host around them of kind of um, a revolving door of other. Um, sort of, you know, like-minded kind of um, uh, aspiring glam glam rockers. Uh, they um, their get up was that they were aliens from a distant planet, uh, the planet Zolarian. They spoke Zolarian. They dressed uh, in a kind of space age alien glam sort of uh, get up, uh, which they called uh, being Zolarized, um, and they. Created some of the most, just some of the most sort of uh, thrilling and exciting, uh, radiant glam sort of like proto-punk rocket rocket roll as they called it. That that was out there, you know. And I really, and I really, it's just fantastic music. Space Age love energized me. Uh, I pulled my helmet off, you know. Um, timeless, all uh, all fantastic music that kind of inhabited that sweet spot of kind of anticipating punk. You know, what, uh, doing the glam thing, but anticipated punk, and uh, and they, you know they were for a time. They were they were even sort of tipped as being kind of rivals to Kiss. They were kind of the um, the West Coast rivals in the, in the kind of in the kind of theater, the what they called it the uh, the War of Theater. I think they called it uh, between Kiss and, and and Zolar X. They played with Van Halen. They played with Jabriath for a week at the Trabador. Um, played with New York Dolls. They supported Iggy Pop. They they all had it. They all had it there. They nearly had it, uh, and then, you know, just just as just as great as the music is, they're also uh, a kind of a casualty of the music industry, and they're kind of a band that ha had it all going but didn't quite make it. So, you know, talking, you know, exploring Zolarex's career is also exploring how how what can happen, and, and then the many pitfalls that a band can can often come across, and they certainly did. But uh, yeah, you know, so. Uh, 
that was all our X, you know, from from the kind of dizzying heights uh, to uh, you know some quite bitter lows that we'll discuss in the, in the in the chat. Uh, sort of at the tail end of the early 80s but they went about 10 years playing gigs and breaking up and getting back together forever with this dream the, Zol the Zolarian dream of Zolar X um, and in, in during that process there was also some kind of you know some sort of side projects and, and uh, Wygarist uh, founded The Spies with the singer Rock Bottom and that was a kind of uh, definitely punk Although I don't think he think, think, thinks himself as a punk, uh, but it had a kind of spacey, kind of sort of synth electronic smattering all over it, a bit like Chrome, uh, similar sort of Chrome. And it's yeah, it's one hell of a story. And uh, we just off of the, we just released their book, their memoirs, Out of This World, uh, which I'll have links to in the in the captions to this, which is kind of big part of what's inspired me to, to reach out and, and chat to him in addition to being a fan prior to that as well um, but you know um, throughout the 80s and 90s up until the early noughties they were I think uh, they kind of largely lived in, in obscurity to be honest with you uh, but it took Jello Biafra um, uh, and alternative tentacles his label and kind of reissue label tent uh, alternative tentacles to reach out to them and uh, reissue their one sort of compilation uh, album they, they managed to independently release in 1982 and it kind of brought out you know brought the whole thing to a new audience they started playing gigs again and the Zolar X uh, name and band is, is is out and they're playing they're releasing singles and you know there were live there were live sets of uh, sort of a few years ago and uh, so Zolar X is kind of back and resurrecting and it's great to see so yeah i'm really excited about this guys and i hope you are too and uh yeah i think this is gonna be a great one so um uh hazel six episode 18 with wygar wygaris from zolar x let's do it Wygaris, uh, founding member of uh, one of the founding members of Zolar X and one of the principal co-creative forces of the of the band. Uh, thanks for joining me on Hessel Sticks Chats episode 18. Uh, how's things? Uh, how's things over in Reno today? Oh, it's fine. It's it's going to be in the 80s all week. You know, it, it's a nice smaller city, even though there's 500,000 people living in, in and about the area. It's it's not California, you know, musician-wise, as far as doing a band again, Zolar X again, and stuff like that. I mean, yes, I I'm, I want to be on stage. I want to play guitar. I want to sing. I want to, I've got like three, 400 new songs, and I've got my computer that I record them on. And I don't call them solo music, even though I, I do it all. It's just... Zolar X is in my blood, you know. That's why Wygar, Wygaris, guitar, guitarist, that's where that name came from, you know. And just, I had a flying V, and it was, I was looking at it upside down, and it was a Y, 
And I said, well, why go? Good mm. time. You know? So that was a part of it. The Zori was Zori Glory. We met him at uh, Rodney Bingenheimer's English Disco in 73. Mm. And all of 73 until the end of it, we were looking for a drummer. And we could not find one to match the group in Hollywood, which is really odd if you think about it. We should have been able to. We tried a lot of them out. They just didn't click. You know, that, that, that you go into that a lot in the book, don't you? You know, about how the kind of genesis of the band and, and the the way, you know, you all kind of... Um, the great fortune of meeting some of these characters, you know, that, that kind of became became Zolarex. And um, how was that? Yeah, how was that process for you? You know, when you were retreading your life and, you know, combing over your life in that way, you know, because uh, it, cause it definitely, you know, out... Out of this world of the story of Zolorex, as you know, the book's called, and and you know how, um, how was that process for you? Just kind of almost perhaps re-navigating some of those parts of your life because you certainly explore the highs, but you certainly explore the lows as well, don't you? Yeah, uh, I mean, when we got into the the this idea, a lot of it was because of Star Trek mm. and. Uh, just the, our love of sci-fi and stuff, and it seemed like rock and roll to me was kind of it needed theater. Yeah. Something on the stage. I had a book one time, a rock and roll book, and it said never look like your audience. <laughs> you know, and I said, okay, that makes sense to me. And so my sister was a hairdresser, and I said, give me a space age haircut. And um, she came up with the point. Um, and I said, well, I want some color. And she said, well, yeah, this is all we have is tickle pink and mauve decod and emerald green. But they were so pastel. I asked her, well, will it hurt her hair if we put food coloring in it? And mm -hmm. that's what we did. So we started lime green hair, purple hair, turquoise hair, you know, and got into that. And... Um, we love Spock, so we drew our eyebrows up. And next thing you know, this guy gave us a box, and I opened up the box, and there was these little plastic, and I didn't know what a honey stirrer was. And I just put it on top of my head and said, wow, look at that, antennas, my favorite Martian. And so those things happened. And then the outfits and... Carabelle's was a dance studio that sold tights. Mm. And superheroes had tights, and Zori was a superhero. That was his incognito uh, approach to it. So we just, they were a dollar a pair, and they had them in every color. They were having a closeout sale, so we bought every one of them. About 40 pair, different colors, you know, and... Management never really had good management, mm. you know. So that that's a big downfall. But I don't know. I think I have my theories that our music was so far ahead of what was being played—the three-bar rock and roll, which I love, and blues and all that. I was brought up on it, you know. Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page, Jeff Beck, Jimi Hendrix, you know. Those were, wow, I want to play like them. 
But my main reason to get in rock and roll was Brian Jones. In 1965, I saw the Stones in San Jose, California. And I said I wanted to be like him and learn the rhythm guitar. And I never intended to write songs. I never intended to play lead. I just intended to learn rhythm guitar and be like Brian Jones. And our guitar player at the time, a lead guitar player, broke his arm and was in a cast and couldn't play. So I was forced into learning lead. And so I did that. And the next thing I know, I'm writing songs. I, you know, I Wonder was the name of the first song I ever wrote. And that was probably 66. You know, so the rest is history or mystery. <laughs> You know, despite uh, your kind of, you know, you could, you could, you know, you could argue that you were maybe a casualty of the music industry, perhaps, you know, Zolo X or, you know, there's uh, things that just obstructed your potential uh, road to, you know, uh, greater awareness, you know, as a band. Um, but nonetheless, that, that you know, that there is uh, in the book, you do kind of detail some real excitement and some real kind of um amazing um uh just 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 so there, there is a kind of uh a dizzying pace you know as to how the, the the idea of Zolarex and the the way the concepts materialize the way you're grabbing the, uh, these gigs and you got and you're supporting quite high profile bands you know you know, how important was um that moment in time for, for Zolarex and c- could it have happened at any other time or place how you know can you describe to us the conditions of Hollywood 1972, you know, and could Zolo X, do you think, could, could that have happened at any other time? Uh, well, I mean, if I would have been born in, let's say, 2000 even, with cell phones and stuff like that, that would have, this would have been a good time, you know, to have uh, came up with this concept. If you take Zolarex out of history, you know, and it's never was. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, now it is, you know. Mm-hmm. And there were, people would not be asking, well, is there any music? Uh, is there, a, you know, I've seen a picture of them, but, and they look weird, but I've never heard anything. So I went through that for quite a while, and that's why... I always, every time we record, which was three major times, and 76, 74 was all right recording two songs. The Jeff Fishbach at Crystal Studios, he uh, edited out the long version of Energize Me, and we never finished it. But his spices for an acetate to give that out to record companies meant you could hear the spice. It was not a very clean phase. Mm. And I told him, well, why didn't you tell us you were going to do that? We would have played it short. You know, we would have played a short version instead of the long version. But that's another story. But I always had a habit of taking the master mix and sticking it under my mom's, in my mom's house, underneath the bed and the trunk that I had. Mm. And so I saved them and I put all the pictures and saved everything. 
And then in 82, I had the tapes, but I didn't have the pictures. <laughs> so we recorded the album. My friend Armando Norte, incredible artist. You've seen some of his artwork and some of the things Zeller actually has released. He drew an incredible album cover and the people ran out of money or whatever. And so the album came out without a cover and just in a clear vinyl sleeve with a little insert on shitty Xerox pink paper. And that is definitely history. Now, those albums, you know, they go for about 300 bucks. Mm. You know, I don't really know. I mean, they told me there was a thousand press. And that's what I go by. But I can't guarantee that that's a reality. You know, I only had 25 of them and I gave most of them away except for about six. I have two left. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I find uh, the your your meeting of um, uh, Billy McCartney, a.k.a. Zori Zenith, Mm -hmm. uh, I find that quite an extraordinary moment of serendipity. Um, this kind of, you know, this like-minded um, uh, guy, you know, with his, with his head in space, just like yours was. You know, can you just talk talk a little bit about, you know, just just that that first encounter and uh, the the friction of of antagonism that was in the air, perhaps when you first yeah up? yeah. Th there's no doubt about it. Well. Uh... When we met him at Rodney's, we Zany and I, we thought we were the only two people with these pointed haircuts. And then walks this cat with a pointed haircut. His hair was red like David Bowie's, but still it was pointed, you know. Mm -hmm. And we found out he was a drummer, and that's what we wanted. Mm -hmm. We tried to talk him into playing drums, and he just refused. He wanted to be a lead singer and be all front. Big ego, you know, but he did things on stage visually that were insanely cool. He had a lot of work, though, in the beginning years on his voice. He was not actually very good until, oh, when we recorded in 79 and 80, right in that area, he had finally reached his pinnacle. And I think that's because he taught himself guitar and he started writing some melodies himself and sang them. So his vocal cords, his, it, he got better. He became what I wish he would have been in 74. Right. <clears throat> you know, but yeah. it was, you know, I mean, Zori was a hard, hard nose. He had a different type of background than I did, that's for sure. You know, he, he had a violent streak, you know, when he pulled the snub nose 38 up and shot shot the pistol off. And it felt like he was aiming at me and I ducked and it went through a screen behind me, you know. It, you know, I think about it and it almost gives me chills to this day that that happened in reality. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but it did. And it's in the book. and uh, It's history that, you know. But I still love the guy, you know. I just we wrote some great songs together. You know, uh, I hated uh, Zany, the bass player, the first one I formed ZLRX with. Kind of, you know, he he wanted to play synthesizer so bad, 
and thought that, you know, I don't know really to tell you the truth what he thought, but because ne- we never really spoke about it and leaving us in the lurch in Memphis, Tennessee, but that happened. And then I had already met Tom Lee, which who became Euphoria and Euphor bass guitar at little jams in our neighborhood parties back in the early 60s. And uh, when people just had Les Paul Jr.'s Fender amplifiers and smoked a lot of pot and went to parties and played and jammed. Mm. Uh, so I knew him. I didn't know the drummer. Uh, I had met him through Tom Ufo. And so that Zolarex was the Spacers first. And that's where I wrote Plutonian Elf and the Horizon Suite and Nativity and those songs that are on the albums. And uh, then, got you know, when we went back to Memphis, they told us that they wanted us to be Zolar X and they were inviting Zori to come out too. So that's when, in 1976, that's when the second Zolar X was born, should we say. Yeah. Uh, and uh, UFO and Ronnie, Rom, Eclipse, whatever. They were from Boise, Idaho, really. And they didn't know what glam was. They didn't know anything more than Levi tennis shoes and a Pendleton t-shirt or a Pendleton shirt. And also to <clears throat> get them zolarized was, it was a chore instead of, Zany, Zori, and me, we loved it. We did it every day we walked around Hollywood. It didn't matter. It was who we were. It wasn't stage. It was us. Mm-hmm. You know, Eon was on stage. So when he went out, he was Craig. Uh, he'd wear his Levi's and wear a hat or whatever. But uh, so back to the other two guys, they were more of a chore to get Zolarize than even Craig Eon was. But uh you, you needed that kind of a hundred percent commitment to the to the, to the yeah, life. you know. Uh, it, it you know, I mean I understand uh, and I've heard it over the years, you should have saved it for the stage. And you probably would have made it if you would have saved it for the stage, but unless you've done it and became solarized, you don't realize what what you're missing as far as in rock and roll or rocket roll as we call it. It's I don't know. It just I got hooked mm. uh, on it. It it just that's why I go by Weigar, you know, it's who I am. What can I say? <laughs> Can you talk to us about the uh, the boomerang incident? Oh, geez. Very strange. Okay. We'd walk down from Laurel Canyon, you know, and downhill in your space boots was always easy. You, you know, you're young, you don't give a darn, you get to it. Mm. And then uh, we'd get to the rainbow and go past it. And they're on the corner right past the rainbow. And Gazzari's was a little liquor store. 
Mm. Okay, we'd each get a 16-ounce Schlitz malt liquor. We'd walk back, go up to the parking lot of the Bank of America and just sip them there and talk about Zeller Acts, what songs we wanted to write, a new title, blah, da, 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 da. And next thing you know, we're looking up on the sky. And silent, you see the Hollywood Hills to your left, as that I was on this side with them. Zori was over here, so they were to his right. And it kind of, well, it was up in the sky. It was semi-cigar-shaped. To me, I, I think back to the visuality of it. It was kind of a, a copper bronze glow just there. Mm. I mean, and from the, my, my point of view, if it would if it would have been on earth, it would have been maybe two or three hundred yards big. It was it was huge. Mm. No. And we looked up, we looked up, looked up, and then it didn't move, it was silent. And then the fourth time or third, whatever, one time we looked up and it was gone. And there was no sound from it moving. There was no jet. There was no, it was not a blimp. I don't know. <laughs> a, a, a blimp could not move that fast. All right. There's just no way. It was real. We weren't stoned. We weren't on LSD. We weren't hallucinating. It was a UFO in Hollywood, California in 1973, about at uh, 11 p.m. on a clear, starry sky. Has there been any other corroborating eyewitness? Have you ever come across other sites or, or other reports of this, like in local local news at the time or any kind of you, you know did you do you recall any other sightings of this or was it just you and zori yes they, we were the only two that saw that and it's it was never reported never in the los angeles times and anything no, never a word <clears throat> it was like it was a map for us to see well and us alone it was very odd it's kind of like earlier in my life we were on an excursion Mm. of walking through just these hills and a very weird thing happened to me it was like i walked into what i thought was a portal of some sort and my leg actually my left right at my left ankle got caught and, and i couldn't pull it through this portal thing and finally i did so I don't know if I left that earth and came to this one or if that was a just a trick. But so I've had weird experiences, <laughs> but nothing, you know, abduction, never seen uh, any aliens except for people calling us aliens or somebody that's from another country they call an alien. Uh, but I believe in aliens. I believe in life beyond Earth. Definitely. Well, the Pentagon has been making um, 
interesting motions about having very credible material that supports well they call it uaps now don't they? not ufos but um all kinds of uh strange released documents and art you know pilot footage of strange things in the skies and uh um there is there is a uh there is such a thing called the um the fermi um paradox i don't know whether you're familiar with it by the italian uh physicist where his his kind of theory is that the, the paradox is is that if there is infinite galaxies and thus you would assume there's a, there's an infinite possibility of intelligent life forms then there must have been a, there must be intelligent life forms to have been advanced enough in the infinite possibility intelligent life forms with with capabilities of space travel and we would have met them already yeah i i, I mean when it comes to observations out there and stuff like that, I, I'm, have you ever just stared at the stars and you could see, uh, say, uh, a shooting star mm. or a satellite, maybe, that just on a trajectory and it kind of, you're seeing it move up there in the sky? But have you ever seen what a movement in the sky that looks like just is not a star, but I mean it's a bright light way up there, and it make a U turn. I don't think I have. Maybe I maybe I need to spend more time looking at the stars. But I uh, <laughs> no, I, I haven't seen that. No. Yeah. Well, out when in the desert, I, I saw a couple U turns up there. I mean, we're talking. I've seen them going straight, but. That could be explained by a satellite, but not a U-turn. U-turns are weird. They're almost spooky. I'm going to introduce you to a rather remarkable man. I'm going to introduce you to a rather remarkable man. I'm going to introduce you to a rather remarkable man. I'm going to introduce you to a rather remarkable man. What I found really interesting and I, uh, in the book, and I thought, oh, God, there, there's a... There's a there was a what if right there is when you got approached by Steve Binder from NBC and there was talks about a possible TV show, you know, I, I know that he had suggested, you know, it could be something like the monkeys and that all just turns you completely off. But, you know, let, let's say you've been granted that pilot, that pilot for a show. What, what would that have been? What if you could, if you were a creative director and you were given and you were given a reasonable budget and you go, right, you're in charge, you're the creative force what's the what's the pilot what is it what is the zolo what is the zolo x tv show well if we would have went through with steve bender when we were his, his office and they wanted to do uh yeah spin off of zolo x tv show morning i don't know if it's going to be morning cartoons or evening like a <clears throat> batman or monkeys or whatever i, I personally think it would have been a great thing mm. i i you know the premise probably would have been oh some sort of a space travel a landing and getting out and entertaining the world with a brand new style of music and you know colors i, I mean robots i mean at that point in time we had already assembled quite the team of artists 
Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I mean, we loved the fact that laser beams, holograms, and all those, those things that are just pretty much, you know, mainstay of uh, the world and dialogue and technology today, they were at the beginning and we wanted to use them. Mm. I mean, you know, the theory of having uh, imagery that is holographic on stage with you or to like streaks of, say, Zori running across the stage and a trail of him behind him like streaks and then catches up. Yeah. And that's the type of holograms we were talking about and different things like that. But uh, I think it, you would have probably introduced one or two new songs, maybe uh, each episode. Uh, we had plenty of music. Well, even we were writing some soundtracks and stuff. So who, who knows? Yeah. No, I... But, uh, I, I think it would have been, you know, you'd have your zap guns, you know, zap your Zolarized and, you know, you know, you see a couple of people walking down the street that are in Levi's and stuff would go zap, you know, your Zolarized and all of a sudden they'd have a pointed hair being with the donuts on and things like that. I think it would have been fun. You know, doing a lot of space age love. Yeah, for sure. I, I can see it now. I can see kind of, um, you know, you're you you're sort of zapping and targeting every double every double denimed, long haired kind of um, <laughs> uh, rocker taking themselves far too seriously, and you would have been it would have been instant zolarization set set phases yeah. zola. Yeah. yeah, you could even uh, have like uh, thinking about it now. I mean, you you could have had a zolar dictionary type of day mm. where here's a new Zolar X uh, word mm. and what it means. This is awesome. Motita. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> not Trey, you know, like, yeah, yeah. You know, that's just greeting or not move. That's thank you. Yeah, you know, they're just fun. You know, it's fun to make up words. True. Just like you make up songs or an artist draws a picture that's just from their mind. I'm doing now, if it's just to get that off my out of my brain, mm -hmm. is I've got a a theme story concept LP. All right. All right. But instead of releasing the LP, I'm gonna release 10, the number 10 singles with two songs on it. And I'm only gonna release 10 of them. Okay. With, one, with two songs on it. And the name of the whole concept is Space Punk City. Okay, cool. It, yeah, it, it's a planet of robots, androids, derelict ship. It's dystopian, you know, and they're fighting for freedom. Mm. You know, the, the people that are slaves on this planet. But there'll be one single, 10 of them will all sell. I don't know if you'll be able to see this. I'm looking up here. Yeah, um, it's, kind of, it's kind of, okay, let's see if I come back, maybe I could. 
I can sort of make it out, yeah. Yeah. And it's got a little dome on top, an antenna. This yeah. little dome lights up. Mm. Uh, to bar. Oh, wow. There's a dome with a picture in it. Yeah. And the 45 will go in here. Oh, nice. And a flash drive will go down there. And there's six of these. So uh, just just uh, just to uh, reiterate for uh, for those listening to the podcast, that was a kind of like a deluxe sort of um, box of of future uh, sort of forty fives that that would be in that with a USB stick. Is that that's what you're saying, right? Yeah, there'll 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 be six of these that each has a forty five. They'll get a flash drive that has the pictures from the book yeah. and that are in color. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, lot, a lot of other things, videos, all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, I, I'll, I, since I made these, I'll autograph them and number them. And then the other four singles, I'm going to make a box that opens up like this. You know, um, the single is set inside of it, and I'm going to put a piece of plexiglass on top. So when you look at your box, you'll see the singles covered. But that'll be that one, and then. There'll be a second one, a third one, fourth one, fifth one, sixth single. And then once I've sold 10 of each, mm. uh, they're going to be, it makes them very rare. Yeah. I'll release the album. Oh, wow. With all of them on it. Oh, I, 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 um, I can't wait to hear that, the, hear some of that, uh, new material. I was actually yeah. going to ask you about your current Zola X because, um, I know that like with Zola X, you, you're the original kind of outlook was one of kind of peace and kind of um you know mutual kind of cooperation and, and exploration and, and endeavor between humans and, and aliens and but I, I have noticed that some of the latest singles ha- do have a slight dystopian edge you know and I was wondering you know has that original Zolarian kind of um ethos been uh been tested uh by the kind of contemporary we're in well i mean the interest is you know i mean the books have done pretty good on amazon we've sold about a hundred out of the house and uh i mean i hear from people all the time about are you going to play? Where is the next show? A lot of da 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 da. And like I was explaining earlier, the musicians that I need would need to have to play and take this stuff out there and do it on the road, the time that it would consume to put them together, let alone find them mm. in Reno, is basically impossible now i know a lot of people in la in the bay area that you know and different areas of of the planet that are in bands and you know so i guess it's at a point where unless i get an influx of incredible amount of cash Mm -hmm. you know it's that would make it feasible to do you know, to spread the word even more, because I, you know, they, they still the, the the man in uh, 
basically Illinois, near Chicago, Springfield, Chuck, he still wants to release the documentary, you know, which would not hurt. And then uh, it's been a while since I've heard it, but I mean, a concept of a Zolorex movie with uh, mm. actors, musicians, you know, I mean, I think a Zolorex movie would really be a huge hit. You know what? I, I think, you know, I think I, I, that's funny. I never considered that when I was reading your book, but now that I think about it, I, I you know, they did a movie of Motley Crue, didn't they, for, Net, for Netflix? And there's been some recent biopics of Elton John, uh, like a movie, or there's some kind of Netflix limited. I mean, that is just ripe. Uh, that, um, you know, the, the, the Out of This World book uh, that you and Zori and, and Ridey have uh, all kind of assembled. Um absolutely ripe for some kind of TV show. It's all there, isn't it? It's all there. Some sort of limited yeah. series. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, flog that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be a, a, an ultimate. Have you ever uh, heard of Brian Kehu? Uh, we, you mentioned him in the book, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. He... he He's a sound engineer, he's a musician, he's a DJ, he uh, owns a studio called Timeless, of all things, yeah. a recording studio. He goes on tour with The Who, and uh, he just got back, and well, he's mastering the first single, and he's going to master each single along the way for the Space Punk City. Oh, wow. And, uh, and he's got a... He's, he did a book on the Beatles. He, he interviewed George Martin. He he hasn't released it yet, but he's got to have a book on George Martin. Yeah, you know, he he he's what I call a really strong ally for us right now. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, that's. Um, uh, I'm really glad there's still uh, things in the pipeline for Zolo X. Mm. You know, yeah. To sort of, let's go to 76, 77, you know, yeah, yeah, when Zolo X kind of was in a, a sort of a quasi hiatus and, you know, punk happened and you formed uh, the Spies with um, with Rock Bottom. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I find it really interesting listening to some of the Spies material because it, because it's punk. This is not some, yeah. old, this is not some old guy. Um, I know you weren't old at the time or, <laughs> uh, but yeah, this, this is not some, Guy, when I went into it, you know, trying to do a bad in, impersonation of punk, you know, it, it sounds like punk, but it has this, it has this cool, spacey um, touch to it as well. Yeah, a bit, bit, bit like Chrome, you know, a bit of you know, bands like Chrome, that's sort of like slightly uh, kind of, I don't know, acidic kind of punk, you know, and um, yeah, how, how, how natural was that? You know, what, what did the punk revolution mean to you, or, or you know, um, uh, you know, did it did it come natural to you the 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 onset of punk? Well, when okay, when I met Rock, and at that uh, hiatus, you know, the little void that Zolar X was taking some sort of break, you know, it, it was 
I don't know. It, it was easy. Mm. You know, as far as that, the, the transition from Space Age Love to I don't like you, you know, and uh, all that stuff, uh, you know. But what killed that band, and that's in the book, is drugs. I mean, pharmaceuticals galore, let alone the guys started doing heroin, and I did it a few times, you know. But I did it, and the next day I didn't need it. Yeah. They did it, and the next day they needed it. The next day, the next day. They got hooked. For some reason, I was hooked on booze, mm. you know. Had my beer or my uh, gin and tonics or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. But, uh, no, it, it was something else, and, you know. And then Canterbury, Don Bowles, Gaza, you know, Alice Back, the Weirdos. I mean, the Go-Go's, everybody, you know, going down to the mask and, you know. But the truth is, as easy as it was for me to do the spies and be at the Canterbury, I was never a punk. Right. Ever. And maybe that's a good thing, maybe it's a bad thing, but it just, that's the truth. It just, it wasn't me. But the music with rock was. You know, rock was the punk, Blank Frank was Blank Frank, you know, and uh, two uh, Latin uh, bass player and drummer, one was from he was a Mexican-American, but he was born here. But the uh, drummer was Nelson. He was from Peru. And uh, Elias was the first guy I met with Rock. He was supposed to be a bass player, but he never got any equipment. So how can you be a bass player if you can't, don't have a bass or a bass amp? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that kind of defaulted him out of the way. But uh, no, I... I I knew there was an energy to punk, all right, that improved my 1979 ZORX. The energy of punk I brought with me into Timeless, the song, you know. know, I, I mean, I wrote songs not knowing if spies were going to play them, Zoller was going to play him, or I was going to play him with another band that I hadn't even heard of. Mm. You know, and so somehow I was able to retain the knowledge of those songs, or I did have a little cassette player, and sometimes I'd record them so I'd remember them. But sometimes it was like they, they were a special song, like the timeless song itself, or Test Tube Baby, that was, uh, those songs were written at the Canterbury. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, so. yeah it, it, it does, uh, it does seem to have a thread that makes sense. You know, when I listen to Space Age Love and I consider the, the, gla- um, the glam kind of culture around it and that, and that rejection of, um, uh, the hippie, the sort of hippie, uh, yeah the death of the hippies if you like you know um and the way the way punk was was reacting against um the the the, the bloated excess of of you know of arena rock and prog and yeah zolar x and the spies seem to just kind of um seem to make sense in both both those reactions you know mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, the thing, I mean, even for some of the some of the punks that were, you know, mohawked out or whatever, I saw a lot of them younger at Rodney's. But you know, you know, pre-punk. You yeah. know, so what it was just an evolution, mm -hmm. you know. I'll jump on that bandwagon because that one's gone, you know. Um, I'll play, uh, I know rhythm guitar, so I'll play rhythm guitar and I'll get myself a Gibson and a Marshall. And now I'm a punk rocker. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, that was one part of the equation of punk rock. It was not a hard music to play. It's really simple, actually. Uh, until you get into the melodies that I was making up for the spies, which Death Trap was not an easy song to play. Mm. It was all augmented uh, nights, you know, but not with any high notes, all low notes. What? Uh, <laughs> You know, the, the story of Zolo X um, in the book, the, it hit, you hit kind of 83 or sort of the mid 80s. And then there's quite a there's quite a chasm of time passes. You know, yeah, you mentioned little things that, that happened across that time. But if you don't mind me asking, you know, what where were you in life, you know, um, prior to, um, you know, 2006 or or, or whatever it was, you know, when, when alternative tentacles happened and what, what were you doing in life and, and how, to what extent was Zolo X even, even a functioning? Uh, yeah. Well, well in, in 82, when I released the clear album, mm. uh, I just basically jammed, did cocaine and, jammed, did more cocaine, drank a beer, drank some whiskey, drank some gin, partied. Mm. All right. And 86, with all the pharmaceuticals and all the drugs and everything that was around, I called my mom up. She lived in Nevada. And I said, Mom, come and get me, or else I'm going to die down there. And then in 80. Eight, I got a job at a casino. Mm -hmm. In 89, I quit drinking. And so January 23rd, 2024 will be 35 years that oh. I haven't had to drink. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, and I don't do drugs anymore. I I used to think that I needed some sort of drug to write a song. Mm. I, I definitely, with 300 new ones i definitely proved that wrong and so i for 10 years i worked that casino job i lived like a human you know i paid rent paid my bills bought a car and um my mom's husband not my dad mm -hmm. he died so i gave up that job took some of my 401k and moved up 
to about 50 miles from Reno, closer to Carson City, which is the capital mm-hmm. of the state of, of Nevada. And for a year, I just kind of coasted. And then I got a job in the cabinet shop and worked out for five years. And during that time, I got the letter from Chuck saying that Jello Biafa was interested in Solar X releasing a reissue of the Timeless album. So I started communicating with Jello in late 2002. Mm-hmm. 2003, November, I took him to tapes to Fantasy Studios in Berkeley, California. And then in August of 2004, they released the reissue. With the release of the reissue, I formed a new Zolar X. I wanted the Tom, the UFO, the bass player to play, but he was more interested in the food that his girlfriend was serving him because he didn't like being 110 pounds. You know, and, you know, but Craig, Eon, wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And then Jet Star System, Jet Black, Jeff Porter, he had contacted Jello, and Jello gave me his phone number, and I contacted Jet. Next thing you know, we've got a three-piece. Zori's in prison. 2002, he hit some guy over the head with a bottle of wine. And he did two things wrong. He didn't stay in contact with us. UFO, Tom, me, and Craig all had jobs with paychecks. Yeah. We would have helped him get a lawyer instead of a public defender. His mm-hmm. public defender told him, take a, a judge trial. Don't take a jury. Big mistake. Oh, well, yeah, you you take a jury so you could get somebody that has sympathy, you know. Yeah. A judge is only going to look at the law. So he got 10 years. And then we're, we're thinking, oh, all right, 2012 is around the corner. Going to get the band together with him. I wanted to see him on stage, that profile. Mm. Come to find out he had three years probation where he couldn't do anything. He couldn't, couldn't leave the state right. except for a visit. Mm. So he couldn't go on tour. He couldn't do nothing. So 2015 came around. He finally was free. And he moved to LA. <laughs> and so I, I see him. I talk to him. But he's got COPD now. <clears throat> you know. Yeah. He can barely breathe sometimes and he can't sing anymore. I see. That's no, it's yeah. real shame. Um, so you know, so prior to J- Jello reaching out to you, what w- was it really, truly a case of there just was no, no interest? Was was it was there was there not even a a fan site? Was there not? Did was as far as you were concerned, was Zolorex lost into the deep expanse of space? There was always, you know. The edge of interest. I mean, the biggest thing. I mean, you know, if you if you boil down the part of the book where I talk about oldies but goodies, mm. you know, um, th- that studio, uh, Art LeBeau, uh, Brian Ross, the uh, producer engineer, they were willing. To record an album of Zolar X in 1974, yeah. which would have meant Parallel Galaxies with the original bass player that basically wrote three quarters of the song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, 
Space Age Love energized me full length version back then, you know, and and the other ones that haven't even ever, you know, I've recorded them. Some of them are on the flash drive, you mm. know, that uh, comes with, you know, the special limited edition book or it's going to be in these boxes. And so I think if we would have done that recording studio, signed that one-year contract to get that album out, I think that album would have been like Elvis Presley having a, a 45 from Sun Records and RCA buying it. Somebody, a major label would have bought that album for Mark LeBeau and his company, Oldies But Goodies. Yeah. And and it's amazing actually when I when I when I consider the climate uh of, of that time, that the cultural milieu that those those initial um recordings were made, the the um the absolute sort of ceaseless energy of, of you guys as a band and the and the, the the hunger, the youthful hunger of it all, it just seems like all the ingredients are there for this kind mm. of, you know, sort of seminal glam proto punk album that that people you know, yeah, you know, I, I can almost imagine in an alternate world, uh, yeah, you, 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 Zola X would be kids would be wearing those t-shirts like you wear the Ramones. Yeah, it's a yeah. kind of it's a it's a brand and a and a look, and I, and I don't mean brand to diminish the music, but it's just a kind of a a vibe that that uh, would have had this and so just this kind of enduring appeal. Yeah, I really do. I really mean that. Mm, well, you know, I mean, I feel the same way too. Uh, you know, Zolarax, no doubt, should should have at least gotten a chance to record and actually release it. And so that's why I tell you the story. We did have a chance, you know. Yeah. And I think, you know, looking back to attitudes and, and of bandmates, and naivety of youth mm. and not knowing the business. We didn't grasp how important that contract would have been for just one year of your life to have had a vinyl album yeah. in your hand in 74, pre-punk, mm -hmm. you know, and then moved on with that as your, that's your demo now, yeah. even though it's a complete al album. I mean, the Brian Ross character, this guy was a synthesizer genius mm. and he would have played everything our minds thought of kind of like a George Martin put strings to Sergeant Peppers sure. you know, and all that stuff. Uh, I, I think it was a win-win scenario, but we just, I remember that guy taking that pin out of my hand and then something just cracked inside of my brain. Maybe I wasn't thinking right because normally I would have been aggressive. Maybe I needed a couple of glasses of wine that day where I would have been a little more arrogant. Uh, I just timidly, oh, okay, you, you could get us a better deal. Yeah, I got us uh, into a recording studio, but an acetate, seven of them, is not enough. Um, I'm a big Jabriah fan. 
And I'm just curious to talk about, you know, uh, how that week-long stint at the Trabador was playing with Jabriath and just, just you know, whatever, you know, just tell me how how was he as a, as, as a guy, as an artist, as, a, as somebody that you played with? Just just curious to know what your, what your memories are of, of the man. Yeah. Uh, no, Jabriath was, he was meek in some ways at that show, you know, with my impressions of him. <clears throat> he, he He was nice. He was friendly. He, I thought he was, you know, I thought he was really, you know, cabaret, you know, Broadway, you know, his style was, you know, I'm, I think it hurt him that show that he played with us. Mm. We were power and four of us on stage with antennas and DX and laser lights and things. And he tried to have a little bit of space. He had his eyebrows up, but it just the piano and the cabaret feel. I I think it hurt him that it wasn't as powerful as maybe if he would have had that as an isolated part instead of maybe by himself. Say for instance, with a spotlight on him, played the piano. He did, did his cabaret act. And then played rock and roll heavy, mm. but it kind of, they combined it, you know. But as far as you know, the, the band they were nice guys, you know, creatures. Um, but I couldn't, re- I don't remember them, I just remember him, yeah. You know? But uh, my we had fun, there's no doubt about it. It was. It was quite the experience to get to play that many days back to back to back to back to back, two so- shows a night. Mm. So by the, you hit the last Sunday or whenever it was, you know, so many years ago, and you were red hot. You know, mm. you do the songs backward and forward, but because you played them 15 times before you played this one night, this one set, mm. Yeah, it it was it was quite an experience getting to do it that way. Uh, at the same venue, same everything. All you had to do is go plug in and play. Well, cool. that was fun. Yeah, no load in, no load out. <laughs> and a bit and a, and a bit of competition with Kiss, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kiss, yeah. Kiss was there that night, the opening night, and so was uh oh. The monkeys, what's his name? He's the last one alive. David, oh no, um, oh, I, I, I can't remember. Yeah, but that was, he came on stage. I, I'm pretty sure Ringo Starr might have been there that night too. And uh, what was funny was Mickey, Mickey Dolan's, something like that, Mick Dolan's or something like that. But he, uh, he came on stage and announced us um, and goes, you know, Quatu, Barada, Nikto, you know, from day there sits still. And then about three months later after that show, Ringo Starr, that was the name of his, his album, and they had Capitol Records, Quatu, Barada, Nikto, and Ringo and the spacesuit. <laughs> and Dory yeah. and I went to the premiere of you know, went to, down there to Capitol Records to see Ringo that day, just because of that them using that phrase. Mm. But uh, 
uh, Villacoin, Ace Freely, Peter Chris, all love Zolarex. Right. I don't know that Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons felt the same way because we were competition and they knew it. Yeah. Uh, but by this time, you know, they had their album out there touring the world and getting money to build up their fire breathing props. Mm-hmm. You know, and w- what we wanted to do was build it, you know, was Solar X and Kiss at the same thing. It would have been good aliens, devils, good versus evil, fire <laughs> versus lasers. Yeah. You know? uh, Caveman versus spacemen. Mm-hmm. You know, even though Ace Freely took on space, because when they, they first came out, he was not space ace; he was just ace. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that I mean, yeah, uh, that would have been that that would have been the time to have some sort of co-headline. Yeah, I or, mean, we could have some great battles, you know, comic book battles. You know, that they, they just did not have competition. That you know, and I don't know. If Bill wanted that, or Bill wanted the sinus to shelf us, or if even the Bill a coin story and Starwood is true, because I went there. Mm. I was only five, ten minutes late, and nobody was there. No limos leaving. Nobody. Oh, so I don't. I'm blind and deaf to that question because I don't know. I think um, I think perhaps Kiss could have been the arch villains in the Zolo X TV show. Uh, I've just got a list of uh, just got um, a handful of Zolarian words here. I'm just gonna throw them away, and you see, and you can tell me if you know what they are. Wotita. Wotita, awesome. Yep. Uh, Edo. I'd almost have to get out my Zolarex dictionary to be able to tell you. Some some of them I know. Go on, ask me another. Okay. Um, Poen Vorta. Colin Vorta. Poen Vorta. No. Uh, Ars- arsehole. <laughs> you, you've got me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, one more. Um, uh, Vuderezak T. Otto. Humans no. are fun. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> it is good. All right. Um, why go? I, I really want to thank you for your time. I've really enjoyed this. It's been great uh, chatting to you and um, uh, and just chatting about you know Zolo X and what you're doing now and and the and your 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 music and your career uh, and just really a big big thank you for uh, giving me your time. Oh, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. You know, I'll I'll. Uh send you a picture that we're going to use for we're having a hoodie a black hoodie made okay with the zolar x logo right back underneath the hood oh nice down the sleeve it's going to have uh the lyrics one section of lyrics and an alien for space punk city and then on the back it's going to have space punk city oh and, wow uh, yeah we'll, we'll do that because we want to milk this Space Bug City thing quite a bit. Oh, no, absolutely. Right. So, so I'll send you a, a picture of what's going to be on the 
shirt on the back. Please do. Yeah, no, I'd love to see it. Um, yeah. Cheers, my guy. Uh, thank you for your time and uh, all the best for, for new uh, Zolo expenses. All the best to you guys, too. All the best. Thank you, Paul. Nice. Yeah, I mean, what a what a gent. Uh, big big thanks to Weigar for um, uh, giving me his time, and uh, we actually went overtime as well. And he was very generous uh, answering some of the questions. I just kept wanting to ask him <laughs> as I knew that time was running out. Big thanks to Weigar, Weigarist. Uh, yeah, great stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, if you if you um, if you want to keep up with Zolarex, you know, news and. And uh, you know, as, as they, as, as he mentioned, the new series of uh, singles that be coming out, and uh, I'll make sure there's links in the captions you know, to, to their um, uh, their site and their various social media. Um, and uh, yeah, this this may well be the cusp of uh, another um, flourish for Zolar X. Maybe maybe the maybe the Netflix series might be around the corner, and uh, the, the the Zolar X story might be. Uh, and the the Zolarex story gets gets, uh, gets you know more out there. Um, uh, yeah, so if you if you like the uh, uh, if you like Hetero Six Chats, please do um, again you know like it, like the um, like the show on any on any, on your various streaming platforms. Like it, give it a thumbs up, a star, uh, or a written review on Apple Podcasts. It's available on all the you know all the main ones. You know, so uh, yeah, please do. Please do, um, yeah. Please do whatever you can for it. Uh, it does help. And uh, in terms of uh, other things going on in the, in the heads and sticks world, uh, you know, we've got. Um, I've already got the next guest lined up. Uh, I'll give you a clue. She was the lead singer for a band that only ever had one album, but what an album! Uh, and from Cardiff, I'll give you a little clue. Uh, if you've got any questions, uh, please reach out to Tom at headsorsticks.co.uk um, and any questions you've got pertaining to the podcast, uh, I will answer in the next one, um, if it's a cool question. Um, I've got a Headsorstick show coming up uh, next, on October the 6th, uh, with a guest as well, that'll be, with, that'll be the guest, uh, London sort of a punk kind of grungy rapper. Um, and there will be a nude special there'll be a, a show at nudes uh, so not just spitting static but an actual special devoted to cool keith uh, you heard it here first guys um and that will be october the 7th uh cool keith special uh i hope you're all doing well uh, thanks for checking out the uh, the episode big big thanks to wygar wygarist and uh, and, and zolarex and i'll see you next time guys all the best take it easy angels on your body knock nude.